0: Hey everybody, and welcome. This is Donovan Bankhead with Springfield Music, and I appreciate you dropping in and listening to the podcast. With the Bow Better Bands podcast, my intention is to talk with our fellow educators across the state and share some of their best tips, tricks, and best practices. Also, maybe even share some of the things that they're struggling with so that we can help each other out, because we're all dealing with so many of the same issues in in your programs. And us, as your school music dealer, want to try to be a resource to help you solve some of these challenges and issues so uh, anyway we always appreciate you listening And if you have ideas or tips or would like to be featured on the podcast reach out to me and let me know donovan at springfield-music.com all right let's jump in okay today's guest for the mo better bands podcast is lisa mcmahon and Lisa was uh, recommended from Tim Cart, so I'm really excited to have this conversation today. And Lisa teaches a, at Parkway, and she was originally hired a couple of years ago to work at uh, Parkway Northeast Middle School, but in the last year, she's transitioned to basically being like a virtual band specialist, so she's been working in that. She's been teaching for 15 years, her main instrument's flute, and we're going to talk about some really cool topics today, including lesson planning and strategies to get the most out of virtual instruction. So, Lisa, welcome to the Better Bands podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. this is uh, this is an interesting topic and I'm excited to to ramble on about it.
0: <laughs> I'm excited too. I'm really excited about it. You know, I think when a lot of educators think about um, lesson planning, And those types of things, they just tend to kind of write that off because it's such a difficult thing to do for our subject matter. Uh, But it doesn't mean we shouldn't have a plan. You know, even though Mike Tyson famously said everyone can have a plan until they get punched in the mouth. (laughs) Sometimes being an educator is the same way. Like you have a plan and then the kids derail it. But you still got to go in with the plan of what you're trying to accomplish. So I'm going to let you just kind of take that topic and and run with it.
1: This year does feel like a punch in the mouth. To be honest. Mm-hmm. Just the whole year is just a repeated
0: punch. Yeah, and, and, and maybe south of the mouth, actually. <laughs> so, tell me a little bit about how you kind of how you structure lesson planning, and 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 specifically like the units that you think about for teaching your middle school programs.
1: So, um, in the past, uh, I, I have to to kind of give a big shout out to my previous employer. I used to work for the Melville School District. They had a big initiative a few years ago to really incorporate STEM and STEAM education into um, the entire curriculum six through 12. And in my building in particular, they asked for volunteers to go through this intensive training. Um, And I will be very honest, the reason that I did it in the first place was because they kept calling it STEM and I was gonna stomp my foot and be the one that says no, it should be steam and we should have the arts. And so I was going to be that person in all of those meetings. And I was. Um, so I, I have to kind of recognize them for for saying, Okay, fine, we'll train you on this anyway. Um, and for the for that particular program, it was a three year program, it really kind of stretched me to start thinking about what are some other things that you can incorporate in terms of uh, in terms of technology in your classroom. At the time, I was very old school and I don't need any of this technology and I'm teaching skills and that sort of thing. And it really kind of just got me to think about the fact that if they can play really, really well, but they don't know who Mozart is, are we creating the best musicians that we possibly can? You know, Mm -hmm. if if they can make the Allstate band as a phenomenal player, but they can't talk to you about why music is important to their lives and they don't know what they're getting into, have you done your job as an educator and it you know kind of made my head explode a little bit um and the unit i think that tim was specifically referring to um when he spoke with you about it is i designed a unit for eighth grade in particular for that particular program and it was a marching band design unit with and a lot of schools do this where they try to have an eighth grade experience where they you know have their eighth graders come join the high school band for an evening and Look how great high school band is and marching band is so fun that sort of thing a lot of schools do it and it's that's smart because it's a really great recruitment tool sure um, i know you guys talk about recruitment on this on this podcast quite a bit that's one of the best ways to to transition and retain anyway um a lot of schools do something like that but what i was noticing with my kids was that they got a taste for it on one night but that doesn't really tell them what marching band is especially modern marching band it doesn't really tell them how much time it takes and what all goes into it and why it's such a big, ridiculous deal. If you quit three weeks after band camp starts, Mm -hmm. Um, they they didn't realize that. So I designed this unit that um, wasn't just teaching all of the aspects of marching band, but it was also getting them to think about the fact that what they're creating is essentially an original production. So I, I, talk to them about budgeting and all that sort of thing. And it culminated in they were in small groups. They had to come up with a concept. They had to pick music. They had to come up with basic drill designs. They had to pick color guard costumes. Um, The part that is always really entertaining to me is that they are each assigned a fictional high school with completely random instrumentation and a completely random budget. I think the biggest budget is like $30,000 and the smallest budget is $500. And they start to whine and they say but this isn't fair i'm like neither is life and that's because <laughs> that's that's reality you know so in, sure. in missouri people forget that so much of our state is is rural they forget that and so like a 500 dollars budget for an entire marching season that is very 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 realistic um, yeah so it, it kind of started with that particular project and it's it sort of grew out of that because i saw what an impact that made with my students long term um, you had less kids that were quitting marching band, and I think it's because they knew exactly what it was they were getting into. they They understood you know how the sausage is made, so to speak. So mm-hmm. what a what a big deal it was. Now, I, I can't speak to whether or not some kids didn't do it in the first place because they knew what they were getting into, but there we noticed that there was a lot less there, there was a lot less uh, quitting, you know, the second day of band camp or whatever. So that kind of got me starting to thinking about you know, okay, skills are important. Yes, rehearsal is important. And I it was just trying to find a balance between how much time do we spend doing those days where we're not actually playing in class, but we're, you know, on J.W. Pepper looking for marching band music. How many days are we spending drilling scales versus (laughs) searching for color guard costumes online? Like like the first year that I did, it was just like, this is perhaps a bit unbalanced. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm not sure I executed it the right way uh, the first time, but the cool byproduct of that, um, not just the kids having another basis of knowledge, but that really kind of set the stage for, for the idea of you can still do band things without just being in a traditional band rehearsal all the time, all day, every single day. And it transitioned beautifully when, when everything went virtual, I can't tell you how many people this past fall and even last spring were contacting me saying, Hey, can I have?" everything that you do with uh, your marching band unit for eighth grade because I have no idea what I'm going to do with these kids so uh it, it kind of a kind of a quick cool product yeah
0: I could totally see that because you know any of those things that are you know someone's going to do some research and you're going to you're looking at uniforms you're looking at music and all that stuff that kids can do on their own devices and on their own time or even as part of their class time but they can do it without uh, having to play along with others I could totally see how that would be really beneficial and there's like a value in it it's a project it's a scavenger hunt like it's a thing that there's it's actually worth doing so i could totally see why other people would try to rip that off <laughs> once everything got moved online
1: borrowing because that's what we do, right in education we're not stealing anything we're not ripping right. it off. it's all borrowing and i and again i was happy to give it because you know as we were talking before we started this you know so much of of who we are as teachers is because of our influences and because of our mentors and because of our teachers. And same is true with this. <laughs> I, you know, I stole resources from other people and I said, Hey, tell me about this. And so I picked people's brain. Um, I was happy yeah. to already have that assembled to, to share with as many people as I could. I
0: was happy to do so. That's one of the, the great things about, you know, teachers. And, and and I think that's how we've run our business at, at, at our stores uh, we've learned a lot from other types of music stores, but we've also, as we've learned a lot, we've put ourselves in a position to share. And I've, gosh, I've trained people's store managers, like for other businesses. Like we've done all kinds of collaborative things, to ch- just to try to help others. And I think that kind of comes from that same mindset that you're talking about. Um, you know, when your musicians are used to kind of chipping in and helping one another, and uh, and so it wouldn't surprise me at all that we continue that as educators or music store owners and those people as well. Like we just kind of keep that ethic working through. So have you developed then that idea further beyond just marching band? Like how how have you structured addition other units or lesson plans in general for your middle school kids? I guess maybe even pre or during this uh, online virtualization era, whatever, whatever you however you want to steer that question.
1: Sure. Um so I can say with that particular unit a lot of things grew out of that because um, and at most schools that do some sort of 8th grade night there's there's some element of playing along with the high school band. Generally what I've noticed that people do is they'll teach their 8th graders the high school fight song and some version of the Star Spangled Banner. Well then you can you, you know you again it's all about budgeting your time and how much time do you spend doing each one of those things. But you can also take that and talk about well, what is a fight song? Why are we using that? You know, um, you can just take it in that regard in terms of like, why why is it so important to some people that they have a band at sports events and that sort of thing? Why is it important that we have a band at graduation? Why is it important? Um, why is live music important? So you can kind of uh, take it in that direction too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of, as per our conversation earlier, we I, I've kind of spurred that into the fact that virtual teaching in particular, you really have to be honest about what you can and can't do. So right now I'm teaching first and second year players um, virtually, <laughs> which is- Not ideal. The, it's Well, it's the weirdest uh, thing I think I've ever done. Um, sure. And like, we're on a zoom right now. I know, I know we can't see it on a podcast, but like I'm sitting in this five by five corner of a random science classroom in my school. This is where I am <laughs> All Right the, like, within an arm's reach. I have instruments and my drumstick and my drum pad is right here. Like, so I have everything that I can use um, kind of within an arm's reach. So with that, there's some very, very real limitations of what I can and can't do. Right. Um, If we're on a Zoom and ours are, it's block scheduled, so I'm on a Zoom for like 65 minutes and then a 20 minute, you know, study hall time or whatever. I'm not going to be able to hear them authentically. I can have them unmute and play a couple things, and I can tell if they're on the right partials. I can tell if they're playing the right pitches. I can kind of tell if they're playing the right rhythm, but because of Wi-Fi and lag and the limitations of Zoom and how many people are in the class at one Mm -hmm. time. Any manner of pulse is impossible. It's just it's just impossible. You can't tell that. So the only, and this is where like the big dose of reality comes in, the only time I authentically get to hear what my kids sound like is when they turn in some sort of video assignment, right? If they turn in a Flipgrid or, you know, whatever it is that you're, whatever platform you're using, that's the right. only time that I get to hear what they actually sound like, which is wild because I got beginners, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So if a kid doesn't turn in their weekly assignment ever, or, you know, they turn in one of the whole year, you know, two weeks ago, I'm just like, well, the clarinet's backwards. Let's start there. You know, it's March. (laughs) So it's just, it's kind of wild. So there's things that, that I could correct in three seconds if we were in person that Mm -hmm. I just, I can't do over Zoom. Um, Then you run into privacy issues and some parents are are not willing to have their cameras on and all that And, and I get it I totally understand I'm a parent but again so that means that I'm only listening to audio so I'm, I'm not sure what's happening there it sounds like a wrong fingering but I don't really know so a very long answer to your question is I had to kind of think about okay. What I normally would say are my, these are the non-negotiables, you are going to learn this by the end of your sixth grade year. You kind of have to throw that out the window and just adjust your expectations as to what you're actually going to be able to do. So I really started thinking about how there are skills as a working musician that I have that I wasn't taught in college, you have to kind of learn it on the job but they're probably going to be 21st century skills that these kids are gonna need, not just if they decide to become a musician, but in general, they're probably gonna have to know how to do this. So for example, for this quarter, um, my sixth and seventh grade classes have a series of projects that they can do instead of trying to put together a virtual ensemble, because let's be honest, that's more work for me than it is for them. (laughs) Sure. And, and, And I am not an audio engineer, I'm learning, but you know, that's not my, that's not my training. So it's, it's projects that I've designed are more about very, very basics of audio engineering and how to pace a podcast. And, you know, how do you fill a 10 minute amount of time, uh, with, with Mm -hmm. not like how much knowledge do you actually have to have on hand. Um, I, there's one where kind of similar to the marching band one where uh, they have to design something, they have to plan a concert. That's one of theirs. So I'll give them an imaginary budget and I'll show them JW Pepper and a bunch of sheet music sites and just say, all right, you have 30 minutes and you have $300, go forth. And they have to kind of plan like, what's the pacing of that? And which one do you play first? And what do you want to play? And oh, by the way, that's way too hard. That sort of thing.
0: <laughs> I was getting ready to say that like, cool, you spent half your budget on music that you actually can't play.
1: <laughs> play everything from the radio, sorry. You have to- <laughs> course um and just kind of say okay it has one has to be a march one has to be something slow and, and and that sort of thing so those are all when we talk about soft skills in the 21st century that's those are soft skills being able to plan things being able to like make that discernment of oh i probably shouldn't play seven tunes that are all at 160 mm-hmm. you know now they're they're 11 and 12 years old so that might be what we get anyway <laughs> just <laughs> real but i mean just getting them to think about that sort of thing and thinking about like large projects um that take a lot of time to to develop um i'm also doing a, a, a composition project that i lovingly borrowed shall we say not not stole and not ripped off but i uh, lovingly borrowed it from a colleague of mine here in parkway um so just you have to you just kind of think about what is it what is it that i can teach them over a zoom um, because I can't teach those other things that are considered the, you know, the, the 10 commandments of, of, of band, you know, thou shalt play a B flat scale. That might not happen, you know, um, and you just kind of have to think about what is it that you can do given a situation where you can't do so much.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think what a lot of people have, have struggled with is for some of the districts where they are doing virtualization, Band isn't even necessarily required, or their participation isn't isn't really required, and so now you're not only are you not teaching the B-flat scale, but they're also not learning anything, and so trying to at least challenge that, so they're picking getting some value out of participating and being involved in band, even if it's not the the amount of face time that they're accustomed to having on their instrument, that they're still getting something. I think that's that's so that's so fantastic that you that you're being intentional about how you handle that. How do you think this lack of time on the instrument is going to affect your ensembles and maybe even more specifically the high school ensembles going forward after this? How do you think high school directors are going to have to adjust?
1: It's interesting. Well, and I'm very fortunate. The high school colleagues that I have, we've had conversations about this and just they're very real about what's coming up, you know, like it's, Mm. it's just great kids and hard workers, but they're they're not gonna have the technical skills. Likely, they're likely not gonna have the technical skills that, that that they might have in an ordinary year. I think a lot of high school directors in general, and I think I can speak to the St. Louis area for sure as a whole, we're kind of all in the same boat here. And I think you're gonna have a lot of high school directors who are suddenly very, very interested in what method books their middle schools are using if they're not already. Um, so I, I think, I get the feeling that in the next couple of years, a lot of high school directors are going to have to kind of incorporate things and in skill building techniques that middle school teachers have always done. They're going to have to figure out how to incorporate that into their everyday. And who knows, that might transform what they are doing up there. I'm going to say this. This is a gross generalization of <laughs> a lot of high school directors with the caveat that I have taught high school. So I, I get it. <laughs> I totally understand this. I think sometimes Times the expectation of people who are only teaching high school band is that by the time those middle school students get up there, they should already know this. They should already be able to do this. They should inherently know every single music term and be able to play all 12 major scales full range of the instrument. I think sometimes that's the expectation and, and there's a little bit of well, why is this not happening? I think they're about to realize what a process that is to make that happen. Uh, mm-hmm. so the things that, you know, we may not be able to teach everything, but we're able to teach a lot. And I think it's going to take a few years to, and I hate to use the word recover, because what are we recovering from, you know? Um, but I think it's going to take a few years for that to flatten out and, and for things to get back to whatever normal is.
0: You know, I've often felt that, I mean, this will be a little sacrilegious possibly, but stressing on our kids knowing like all 12 keys and scales is not particularly useful because it's very, very difficult to learn something if you don't get the opportunity to apply it. And I think it's so much, it would be so much more beneficial to think like, okay, in middle school and maybe in, in your freshman year of high school, what keys are you likely to encounter? And let's make sure that you know those pretty thoroughly because, you know, as a trumpet player, you know, it, when I learn the C flat uh, major scale, or the C sharp major scale, not particularly useful to me because I never, ever, ever play in those keys. And the same thing with F sharp and you know a host of other keys. Uh, I mean, I should know more than B flat and F and <laughs> you know some of those kind of things. But you know, if I'm if I'm learning the scale and then don't play any music that really involves that key or scale, it's just gonna it's gonna just go away. I I'm not learning it. I just. Knew it for a moment and then forgot it. So
1: Gales, because I think even five years ago, had I heard you say that, I I would have we would have been at fisticuffs. I would have been reaching through the screen and let me at him. You know, but that's I I I am on the same page as you completely now. Um, because again, even as a professional musician, how often am I playing pieces in G major? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not something that that I do very often.
0: <laughs> right yeah how and how much time is it worth really spending on developing that like i mean kids should see it should know it they should know how to learn it mm-hmm. for sure but you know to spend a lot of time trying to hammer that scale home that they're not going to see again uh <laughs> may not be that useful <laughs>
1: It's a question of being economical with your time. You know, what are, what are the things that, what are your non-negotiables? What are the things that, what are the hills that you're going to die on in terms of, in terms of teaching skills to kids? Is it going to be scales? Is it going to be dynamics? Is it going to be articulations? Cause I know a lot of people that like woo, articulations are <laughs> like, they are absolutely everything. So it's, it's about not only who you are as a teacher, what your strengths are in teaching. But be honest about the kids that you're teaching, you know, kids are kids anywhere, but there are different communities that that are going to value different aspects of playing an instrument. So you just you got to read the room and figure out what's you know what's going to be relevant and what's going to be the most useful to, to your particular to your kids for sure.
0: You, you nailed it. <clears throat> Being relevant and most useful, you know, I, I think a director, if a director was sitting down and first thinking like, all right, what are my non-negotiables? They would probably immediately come up with things that could easily be challenged. They'd come up with like, well, they should know in middle school, they should know all their major scales and minor scales, and you yeah, could but- come up with all these things, but that's, is like, well, is that really useful? Would they be better off knowing the major scales and minor scales of the three or four most common keys what about the most common arpeggios for those i love you you mentioned articulations what if they knew the 20% of articulations that was in 80% of the music they're going to see what if they knew that what if they musical terms what if they knew 20% of the musical terms that you see 80% of the time like gosh if they came out and just had those things like they would probably be ready for high school
1: I would, I would, I think so too. Um, and there are some people that will say that that approach is a very jack of all trades, master of none approach,
0: but, again, but that's what we're doing.
1: <laughs> again, what's your, what's your, uh, what is it that you want? Do you want them to be like awesome at specifically one thing and then suck at everything else? Is that what you want? You want um, them
0: to be awesome at playing scales
1: so <laughs> <laughs> go back. To your earlier question, I think there are some, not all, and, and I, like I said, gross generalization here, there are some high school directors that are going to figure that aspect of things out very, very soon, because we as we, as middle school directors have had to do that for years. Some kids get all of that, and some kids only focus on one of those things, and so mm-hmm. I, I think that's the blood, sweat, and tears of the vetting process to get kids to the high school level. I think that's the piece that a lot of high school, school directors are going to Kind of get to know intimately in the next uh in the next few years and again i say that i love all my high school director friends and so many of them are very very actively involved with their own middle school programs and th- of course that's the way that it should be um yeah not a, not a knock at all i mean i i was in that same situation but i i think they're gonna it's gonna become very very clear what all all the polishing that i, I suppose happens at the middle school level
0: um, yeah, I, I think high school directors in particular need to get, get ready because you know, the nice thing with a middle school director, especially if it's one that doesn't also assist up at the high school level, you know, yeah, your band's going to be affected by this as well, but uh, only for a couple of years, <laughs> you know, they're, they're moving out, the new ones are coming in, you see your kids for three years on average, like, so it's not like this isn't going to be with you a long time, whereas the high school director has those kids for four years and so we kind of had like a year and a half of this, of all the COVID instruction uh, era type stuff. And so that's gonna sort of <clears throat> ride through their program for a while. And if, and if a director is in one of those programs where they are doing middle school and high school, those kids, they gotta have a plan. How are we gonna bring these kids a little further along so that we don't see our musical quality or our musical performance kind of dip down uh, long-term because of this era of instruction.
1: And I think, too, to kind of go along with that, there's a lot of talk about, oh, I just have to make sure my kids aren't behind and we have to maintain a standard. And, you know, I, I cut I kind of want to slap them and just be like, you realize everybody's in this boat, right? Like it's not just your program. COVID isn't only affecting you. <laughs> like it's affecting everybody. So when you're freaking out about the fact that, you know, the the quality of the entire program is going down, the quality of everybody's program is going down. So get over yourself. Calm down. <laughs>
0: that that is true, but and maybe this is just because like my my business background and in business and business, there's always someone who's figuring it out. Sure. And uh, in my experience with uh, you know various high school programs and programs just in general, there's going to be someone who's going to figure it out. Like, yep, this is now, our work just got harder, uh, but we're going to figure this thing out. And there'll be a lot that won't. And and everyone certainly has a great excuse for for not because it's been very difficult, and no one would blame you for it. But there's gonna there's going to be those people that are going to figure out like, all right, how do we do this? Are we going to do? summer school for band students are we going to do some kind of after school thing are we going to like they're going to come up with some way someone is going to come up with some way to you know be able to maintain the quality that they're accustomed to and not have this affect them
1: and i i do think too if it when we go back to our, our what are our non-negotiables I, I i do feel like there is a shift that is happening whether we want to acknowledge it or not um just in terms of it, it's not so much adding more to it but just thinking also, you know, uh, I can tell you as a flute player all throughout my college years, I don't think I really thought a whole lot about recording quality. I don't think I thought a whole lot about how am I going to edit this audio clip so that I don't hear the 30 seconds of, you know, me walking onto the stage or whatever. Like, I, I don't, I didn't think about any of that. That wasn't, that wasn't my focus. That's not my job, you know, but yes, it Where's is.
0: the Where's the artistry in that? Yeah. <laughs> that's not the focus. Um,
1: that's that's absolutely something that we have to think about. You know, sure. just getting kids to think about, you know, well, why is it I have to sit right here? Why can't I sit with my best friend? And, okay, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the physics of that. Let's talk about the, you know, the, the blend. And let's talk about not only that, you can't shut up when you're by your friend in the French horn section. So we're going to leave you over here. But my friends aren't here. I don't care. So, I mean, those are honest... Questions, I think, in the past that we would have just looked at the kid and said, because, you know, because I said so. (laughs) But, I mean, I think it's, I think kids today are, they'll do a lot of what you want them to do. They'll pretty much do whatever you want them to do. But answer the question, you know, I think. Sure. Often as teachers and and, and as parents, too, let's be honest. It's just, just do it because I told you to. Um, But if they ask a question, fine, tell them. Because half the time, if you give them an explanation that even remotely makes sense to them, they go, "Oh, okay," and then they'll do it anyway. That's all they want to know. They just they, they just want a little bit of justification, and that's. I don't think that's unfair.
0: Yeah, not at all. I, I love though what you're doing though with trying to, you're you're replacing some of the content you've taught historically with new content, and so those these kids that leave your program or at least leave your grade, may not have been in the same level uh maybe in like their performance uh you know their their musical playing that they were before maybe maybe now they're they're here just to pick a thing but maybe now their knowledge of other aspects of music or recording or performance or development or uh, any of the other things that maybe used to be down here you know maybe even non-existent is now kind of up to here uh, or, or above or kind of wherever and so i from my experience as both a parent and someone who's regularly involved with music education, I've seen some places where, okay, well, our musical ability has dropped from here to here and that's it. Like (laughs) hasn't been replaced or supplemented with anything. And what you're talking about is you're like, okay, this has happened. I I can't do anything about that. So I'm now going to supplement their knowledge with some other thing so that I'm still getting up to that number, the fullness I had before, but just doing it in a different way.
1: Yeah, so I mean if their skills aren't up to par, can I at least bring those other skills that are not necessarily always developed? Can I bring those level and you're you're talking here to here and <laughs> on a podcast I can't see your hand. Um but yeah. It's
0: also a YouTube video, so it will be both. That's you're right, but you were right. Anyone who's just listening, I had my hands up and down like bar graphs, and oh. it was made for terrible radio. So <laughs>
1: But yes, that, you're absolutely correct. And, and I kind of had to, th- for my own sanity too, you know, for my own just, uh, so I'm not losing my mind thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not teaching anything that I normally would have. I'm not getting anything, product that I would have in the past. Um, for my own sanity, I have to feel like I'm actually teaching them something, even mm-hmm. if it's not what I would have taught in the past. Just take something from my class. Take something.
0: So. Yeah. Let me... Yeah, this has got to be, I want this to be valuable to you. And and in some respects, some of what you're sharing could be more valuable to them in the long run, even than just, you know, knowing all of their scales on their flute, you know, the the technical knowledge about, you know, how to organize uh, and prepare for something and podcasting and things like that, that could be more relevant in the future than even what we do.
1: I could have used that skill long before my adult life. (laughs) Let's just Mm -hmm. say. Like how how to think about organizing an event and thinking about the timeline, and that I I could have used that information much much earlier in my life. <laughs> that Sure, would have been very very helpful. Um, yeah.
0: Well, maybe if you run out of that, maybe you can also talk about like uh, personal accountability personal finance budgeting because <laughs> those are other things that people could probably use you are covering the budgeting though and and uh when you're giving that so you're helping with that for sure
1: I'm helping them out big time on on those projects that that involve budgeting because i'm giving them a a, a generous one i'm giving them a, a fairly generous one so they can you know buy whatever you want to your heart's desire there's no tax there's no shipping <laughs> it's fine it's
0: true that's true
1: just the raw thing. I mean, I tried to explain tax to my eight year old the other day because we were shopping. And so she sees a price tag and how much does this and how much is this. And so she figured out how much it was going to cost. And then I said, now when we get to the register, <laughs> it's not going to be that amount. It's going to be more. Well, why is that? So I'm trying to explain how taxes work to an eight year old. And
0: yeah. How'd Fine. that go?
1: you know, she, she, once I kind of explained, you know, we pay more when we buy things so that we can have things like roads that look nice and parks that are clean. And she was just like, oh, okay. And so then she decided, I can't remember what the amount was, but it was, you know, like $37. And first of all, it's mom, do we have $37? Yes, we have $37. We're good. Um, But then she said, I think I'll pay $2 in tax. Like she thought it was voluntary. She thought it was, you could, you could name, you know, it's very socialist. Uh, <laughs> I can name how much I'm going to donate to our park program. I'm like, that, that's very sweet, but that's not necessarily. <laughs> but she's figuring it out. She's, you know, but she's, she's funny.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. So in terms of uh, this, you know, the virtualization and, you know, gosh, you've got, had so much experience now kind of specializing in that over the last year. Hello. What are some other tips and tricks that you've learned to share with other folks because I, it may be that you know this is all kind of winding down and going away but it may be that it comes back or maybe that some element element of this must still exist. Mm-hmm. So to do it to the best possible ability we can certainly uh, makes sense.
1: Well, I, I, first of all, I'll never claim that I'm doing it the best. Like, I am still learning every single day and figuring things out. I, in some aspects, and a lot of aspects, being fully virtual, I feel like a first-year teacher. There's, there are some things that I, you know, sometimes I get to the end of the day, I'm just like, I don't even know if anybody learned anything today. I, it just, And that's just the nature of it. I can also tell you that my own situation is, is not the reality for a lot of people that have virtual because they're trying to do in-person and virtual at the same time, which you'll probably edit this out and that's fine, but that is a private hell that I cannot even, I can't even fathom that. Um, I can't speak to that except for bless you people who are doing that. You are doing God's work. Um, yes. What I will say is that again, the biggest thing is expectations. Be real with your expectations. Um, you're and understand that you are not in a rehearsal. And I think that's the biggest mistake that some people are making when they're trying to make virtual band the same as a rehearsal. Put your baton away. Nobody cares about that right now. So you know, get your instrument out. Do a warm up with your kids. You have to believe them when they say things like, "Oh, my Wi-Fi is lagging" because you don't know what's going on at their house got to give the kids a lot of grace because if they say that they're out of reads you you can't hand them a new one right mm-hmm. the things that we would do the things that we would do to sort of parent and mother them when they uh, uh when they were in person you can't do that virtually so you have to it's all that communication both with them and then also with with their parents because to kind of go back to your question i don't think virtual is going away completely i just don't virtual has been And again, I won't speak on specifics for this, but I know that a virtual option has been to some extent required in the state for a while. I won't speak to how many years, but it was meant for core classes at the secondary level for unique situations like a kid has some sort of illness that is requiring them to be homebound. So they have to be able to complete uh, coursework online. That option obviously exploded during But now that parents know that that is an option, I don't think that it's going away because there are some kids, and, and it's not many kids, but there are some kids who do truly thrive in a virtual environment. So it's not going away. You have to be honest about what it is and what it isn't. Just, it's all about communication. Be clear with your parents, be clear with your students about what your expectations are and follow through with that. The the newest thing on Zoom that kids are doing to try to get away with is if they um, you know if their camera is off and their mic is off, which is like most of the time for everything. If you look at them and say, "Hey, can you unmute and play those five notes for me, or whatever," and suddenly you have no options, they've disconnected from audio. <laughs> so they can they can legitimately say oh i didn't hear you like like later on they can say i didn't i didn't hear you calling my, yeah because you disconnected from audio like that's that's the new one that's the one that's uh, been discovered this week is where kids don't want to do something so they'll just, just disconnect from audio cuz then they can't hear you be, but be honest you can't control that they're they're no. at, and because of the fact that i don't think it's going away and there are there are a lot of different reasons that somebody might pick virtual for their student you got to have that relationship with parents and, and it might be through email. Um, it might be through a phone call. Just it, it's kind of a forced relationship. It's like, okay, you're going to pick this option. You're going to hear from me a lot, but you would rather have that than have them just fail and never ever talk to their parents and never contact them. Um, and never, and I, I, hate the term call out, but that's what it is. If the kid's not doing what they're supposed to be doing, if you never call that out, then the parent doesn't know. Um mm-hmm. So it's just it, be real. Be real about your expectations. Be real about what virtual music teaching is, and be real about what it can't be.
0: Our youngest son is uh, in middle school, and he's he's a tuba player. He's in seventh grade, and uh, he goes to the same middle school that my wife teaches at.
1: A new a new tuba player, right? Did I hear that on a previous podcast? Yeah.
0: yeah well, he started in sixth grade, so he's been playing a year and a half. And uh, but what's hysterical is he, you know he'll sometimes try to get away with stuff at school as if his mother doesn't work there. <laughs> and so there's so many times where something comes up and of course, like one of the other teachers is gonna reach out to, to Belinda and be like, hey, I uh, don't know if you know this, but Maddox hasn't turned any homework this semester or, <laughs> or whatever it is, you know? And uh, like, buddy, come on, what are you doing? And as a parent, and I think maybe we're more uh, empathetic to teachers and have been because uh, you know she, she is one and I'm, I know them all so well. But uh, we've always appreciated when teachers keep us in the loop. And But the problem, I know there's some parents that don't. I, I hear the stories Belinda will tell me about. She told me one time that she had a problem with the kid. And so she was like, hey, like if you don't straighten up, I'm going to have to call, call your mom. And uh, the kid's like, "Wow, well, whatever, don't care. And so she calls the mom and the mom's like, so wait a minute, wait a minute, you're telling me that my, you have an issue with, with my son, and when did this happen? And she, Belinda was like, well, it's, it's happened several times, but the latest time is today. Today, what time did it happen? It's like, well, it's during band. Well, what time is that? I was like, 1.30. It's during the school day, right? And Belinda's like, yes. And then she's like, well, if it's, if it's at school, it's your problem, it's not mine, you know? And just like... Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah.
1: That
0: is,
1: man that is Correct. You know, I, I come across that um, uh, kind of a, an alteration of that. One of the things that we do to create community in a Zoom classroom, which those are the most ludicrous things I think I've said in the past three years. How do you create community in a Zoom classroom? But one of the things that we do <laughs> is when the Zoom starts, there's always that awkward time where kids are showing up and you know they're stuck between the waiting room and the and the actual uh, room or whatever. I've got music playing and there's always a, a Spotify playlist or whatever. But that's that's one of the first assignments that we do each quarter. That's actually what I'm assigning this week is tell me what you wanna hear. What's what's gonna be on our class Spotify playlist? And then you put it all together. You can send them the link. With the caveat, and this is this kind of relates to what you were talking about, with the caveat of it must be school appropriate. And so with these kids today kids today these kids today they'll interpret that as oh well it's the clean version it's just like that is true but let's talk about the subject matter like i don't care if there are no swear words in it but mm-hmm. if you're talking about something inappropriate you you obviously can't use that well how do we know it's inappropriate and so I, I put it to him this way i said okay if i go to you know some website that has the lyrics to this song that you want me to put on our school playlist if i copy all of the lyrics and i put it in an email and just wordlessly with no explanation, send it to your mother. Is that an appropriate conversation? And they kinda they kind of stop and they think about it and they're just like, I don't want you talking to my mom like that. I'm like, well then there you go. Like that's then that is an inappropriate, inappropriate kind of song. But then you So
0: we will not have wet and gushy on the school playlist, apparently, then I gotcha. Gotcha. That's- I'll take that off.
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry, you know. Uh-
0: yeah, that that basically rules out the entire Cardi B catalog. <laughs>
1: some kids are just like, go ahead. I listen to that song with my mom. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? <laughs> what? <laughs> what's going on? You know, uh, so you have situations where it's, you know, and uh, that's a difference in cultures, a difference in values, a different, and, and that's not my call to make as a teacher, you know, but um, yeah, I just have to kind of <laughs> set boundaries and set parameters of, of whatever. They get creative though. Uh, there's one kid that submitted something for a playlist um, and I allowed it. I probably shouldn't have allowed this, but this is who I am as a person. They sent me a song and it was inappropriate. <laughs> and I sent it back to him and I went, I can't, you know, because the lyrics and everything. And he said, OK, ho- hold on. And so he went and found an instrumental version of this song. Like it same same backing and everything. But it, instead of uh, instead of whatever singer it was, it was just like a piano, like playing the melody. And I was just like, you know what? Points for style. And so what <laughs> a playlist like, you know. Because the same justification is to like, why can we play certain things in band if the lyrics are inappropriate? Well, we're not singing it, you know, so, fine, whatever. I'll, I'm going to give you points for style, kid, you know, mm-hmm. um, probably shouldn't ad- probably shouldn't admit that in case my my boss actually ends up listening. to this. I
0: think it's I think it's a great idea. I mean, it's, you're rewarding resourcefulness. And uh, I, I think it's totally fair. As soon as you started saying that, I thought, oh, I bet I know where this is going. <laughs> Smart kid
1: yeah kid found an instrumental version of something that i would never ever play for anybody that i ever know (laughs) but when it's just the instrumental it's not so bad you know
0: yeah yeah oh that's awesome
1: that kid like he got away with something it's just like okay
0: (laughs) pulled one over on you yeah exactly
1: that's right
0: this has been really good there's a lot of great stuff here is there anything that we didn't cover that you want that you wanted to make sure we covered today
1: um, let's see, I think I talked a little bit, uh, I'm going to hit the five projects that I'm going to do with my virtual kids, uh, this, this particular, uh, this particular quarter. Um, and some of them, uh, you know, I'm, it might be a little bit indulgent on my part and I don't care. I'm making this up as I go along. Um, so my kids this, this quarter, uh, I teach six, I have three sixth grade, I have sixth grade sections and a seventh grade section. Um, and they all have the same projects. Of course, the requirements are different by, by grade and that sort of thing. Um, But they have to do two projects and I gave them a a choice of five different ones. So the first one is um, you have to do a duet or a trio with somebody in our same class or in one of my classes um, using a site called easyvirtualchoir.com. It is quite possibly the easiest way to do a virtual ensemble that I have ever seen. And it's free and it works on Chromebooks. It's the best. Um, so easyvirtualchoir.com, one of their options is they can do uh, they can do a duet with somebody or a trio, I don't care, with, with somebody in our class on that. Um, that's option one. Uh, option two is that they can do the plan a concert thing where I give them a budget and I give them a bunch of resources and, and, and guidelines and say, you have to play this and you have to play this and uh, difficulty is this and so on. Um, option three is a composition project that I am lovingly borrowing from my, uh, my colleague, Keely Ablin over at uh, Parkway South Middle School. She's amazing. And she comes up with all these really, really inventive and creative uh, lessons that I borrow and adapt. And she's just awesome. Um, So they can do a composition. And for that one, we use NoteFlight. Again, a free website that uh, that is a notation software that we'll do a couple lessons on. And then I tell them, go forth and be creative. And then option four and option five, I'm I'm kind of curious to see how these go because they both use WeVideo. WeVideo has a podcast option, and so one of the options is a 10-minute podcast about something music or band-related. I have one kid who's who's planning on doing something about do we really need to use non-chipped reeds. So I was just like, okay, have fun. Like, like we'll talk about how you're going to research that, but you're not going to prove the point that you want to put what 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 you want to prove. Like this kid wants to prove the point that he can use a chipped reed and. Like, okay, like we'll go down this path, but <laughs> you're not going to come to the answer that you think you will. <laughs> so it's like parameters of you have to fill 10 minutes and here's how you time it and here's how you splice it. And you can bring somebody else on there if you want to, but make sure it's a conversation. I'm probably going to use this podcast as, a, as an example of, uh, you know, what a conversation podcast looks like versus a here is my part. Here is my part here is That's what middle school kids do. Um, mm-hmm. The last one is a longer one, still using the we video um, podcast option, but they actually have to design a radio show. So they have to pretend that they are a DJ for whatever radio station. They have to come up with a thirty-minute show. Um, come up with a genre. What genre are you? Are you the DJ for? Like, what's your favorite type? Um, I have one kid that's probably going to do a thirty-minute K-pop thing. That's fine. I don't care. But think about what order you want to put those songs in and what do you want to say about them? You know, what kind of background information do you want to give us about the songs that you're that you're doing? Um, That one's a bit self-indulgent, because my, my, my significant other uh, has a radio show on a local radio station here in St. Louis. Uh, and so he's actually gonna come in and talk to the kids about here's how I put my, my show together and here's how I put songs in the right order and that sort of thing. Um, so that might be, might be self-indulgent, but it's reality, it's programming. It's, sure. it's all real life skills. So those are yeah. five big things that we're doing for this particular quarter. A lot of people I think would scoff and turn up their noses about the fact that only one of them is actually playing their instruments and it's just like you're, you're right because those are not skills that I can accurately develop right now, mm-hmm. but I can teach them how to plan things I can teach them how to budget I can teach them a little bit about audio engineering and, and editing and those might be more relevant skills in the future for them.
0: Well, I think a lot of directors are at this crossroads right now where they can either decide that they're going to continue to beat their head against the wall or they're going to try another path. And uh, certainly if someone has figured out the way to do virtual band live rehearsals and stuff like that, like, dang, reach out to me so we can share that because I think that's something we all want to know. But I think most are in the position that you're in that it's very difficult to... To accomplish that, I know in smaller groups, I don't know if this would work in a bigger group or not, but I know I've, I've heard of in smaller groups, and, and I'm thinking more specifically like, um, I know people that are doing this with lesson group lesson programs, mm-hmm. uh, where they're uh, providing like a backing track, and then uh, the backing track is being played by the host, and then everyone is muted, but playing along with the track. And I think something like that could be really useful if that was developed for yeah. band, possibly. And, and you certainly would have some issues where if students didn't have suitable um, uh, internet to be able to stream music that way. But, you know, enough of them would probably be, have enough of that where they, they could play along with it, especially if they had headphones or something like that. But
1: What you're describing is exactly what my warm-ups and the, the actual band part of my, uh, of my classes looks like. At my essential elements interactive which is what we're using right now i'll share my computer screen with you so this is what we're working on in sixth grade band right now um of course eei is a fantastic resource uh you you get the book um and then there's an activation code in it and it gets you all pretty much everything that you have in the book plus um click tracks that have different styles and all that sort of thing or whatever so this is what we're working on right now basically what happens for our warm-up when i play it through the computer I can't play along with it live because there's an audio feed that comes through my mic, but then there's also my computer sound so you have two different streams of audio coming through zoom at the same time, and it doesn't really work very well at all, so what we do is like when we start off i'll have. um, A metronome just on my phone like this, like here in the room, because that if I have a metronome here and my and my flute going that's my audio, then you can hear it together. But if it's trying to do it with a click track, it doesn't, it doesn't work and it lags and all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. what we do for our warm up, I'll say, okay, we're gonna be on, uh, we're on line 52. We're doing the tone builder. I've got the melody on. So I'm gonna go ahead and press, press start and then it gives you four clicks and we're in. So this is literally what happens. I've got the page up, it's all shared. Okay, all right, everybody get ready. It gives you four clicks and we're in. And then I mute myself. anyway you get the idea um, so mm-hmm. I, it, it, so they they physically see me playing along with them um, but that's how we have to do a lot of it just if i have to demonstrate something and i want them to hear me i can't do it with the click track or whatever that's on my computer some people get really fancy with this, and they'll have, you know, they'll do it through their phone, and the phone is hooked up through this big amplifier, and so you can hear it live, and you—that's great if that's what you want to do. For me, I'm switching back and forth between things happening in the room and whatever's happening on my computer. I do that so fast that it's—it's it's just better for me to 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 go with one system and sort of stick um, stick with that. But that's right. What you described that is, that is when we're actually doing skill building and all that sort of stuff, that is precisely what's happening. And it sucks because all the kids are muted. You can't, like, you can't do that. Depending on the size of the class, if I say, okay, hey, can you unmute and play those five notes for me? I got one class of 32 kids. Like that takes 20 minutes for me to, to hear them go do, 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 do. That's it. You know? And it takes them longer to like, okay, here we go. Now my camera's on where's my clarinet like it it, it takes like it takes forever and so you know I it I don't want to say that it's a waste of time to do that but it eats up a whole lot of time and again I can't hear them authentically so yeah uh, you just described precisely what we're doing it's a lot of just all right play along with me I sure hope you're doing it at home you know and I can't control that you know
0: no you can't you can't have you uh, increased the amount of like recordings and recorded submissions this year beyond what you've done in the past so you can hear them, but not have to do it necessarily during class time?
1: Yeah, um, so I have to give credit where credit is due here. When I came to Parkway Northeast Middle School, my colleague, Mike Steep, uh, has been here for, I think, 10 years, 11 years, 12 years. Who knows? Maybe he's been here for 80, and I just don't know it. Um, but he's the the system that he had established when I got here was very much like, here's here are our checkoffs or here are our playing tests, and we're going to do them in class. You can do them whenever, but they're due by the end of the semester. And really, that meant that some kids were doing them You know, once a week, once every two weeks. Some kids were waiting until the end of the semester and cramming them all in there. But that's really the only time, right? (laughs) That's really the only time that we would have like a video of just them. But that wasn't a big deal because I saw them every single day. And so they, hey, you play Mm -hmm. my four and I could hear that. So I kind of do the same approach now, but it's very much a, this is your weekly submission. Like the one thing, again, it comes back to your non-negotiables. What is it that you truly want to get out of them? Do you want to hear them do five lines or do you just want to hear them play 16th notes because if you just want to hear them play 16th notes that's a 30 second video that they can do and that counts as an assignment you can hear them authentically that you know like, there's, there's so much that you can that you can do with that now that's only once a week you know and if i'm mm-hmm. really caught up on my grading i can get that done once a week but eh, sometimes it goes a couple weeks and
0: <laughs> yeah shame shame right
1: so it's the kind of the same, but it's more structured. So I still have kids that won't turn anything in until the very, very end of the quarter. I think that's kids in general. That's not pandemic kids or kids at my school. That's every child everywhere. Um, And adults.
0: I I do the same thing. I have to have a deadline. I work better. I mean, I, you know, I, I've been, I've gone through like those, uh, uh, oh, work aptitude testing and stuff like that. I'm the kind of person that needs a deadline, you know, so. (laughs)
1: Even if you miss the deadline and you turn in later, like the fact that the deadline is there, that's what helps you. Yeah,
0: I'm good with deadlines. I, it's pretty rare that I'll miss something, but I, I kind of have to have it. It doesn't work otherwise. You know, I think the, the thing I love about that too, that you were doing the recording and and again, my almost a hundred percent, my experience of listening to students' recordings comes off of just overhearing what Belinda <laughs> is grading or whatever when she's at home. But uh, every time within three seconds, I could have graded that kid. You know, like I don't need to hear this whole thing. I've heard everything I need to hear here in the first three notes, you know. <laughs> and so there's no you know, five lines probably isn't as important uh if you know as it is like, hey, just play the play this measure, play these two measures, like two to four measures, one line, whatever it is you want, you'll hear everything you need right right there. And if if they, you know, are getting their instrument down or not.
1: You know, judging is the same way. I do a lot of ju- a lot of judging, like seating, band, you know, seating a flute section for a suburban band, or um, I helped coordinate. I help coordinate the flute section for the uh, for the all-state band. Everything. It's the same way. We we, I hate to say this is a gross generalization again, but I I know by the time I hear their scales, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yeah. But that's but that's right. Again, it comes down to what are your non-negotiables? What What is it that you truly need to hear from them? And with middle school particulars, I need to hear one line. I need to hear one line of you doing this. And then I can yeah. tell you, you need to work on it again, or if you're doing what you need to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right.
1: And younger teachers, I think, struggle with that too, because they don't, they, they're they just like, oh, I want to, you know, maybe they'll get it if I do two lines. I'm like, no, they won't. And you know, <laughs> younger, younger teachers will struggle with that a little bit, I think.
0: Sure. Sure. Well, it just takes experience. It takes experience and familiarity to kind of know how to navigate it.
1: Can you imagine being a first year teacher right now? I mean, I like I'm a veteran teacher and I feel like a first year teacher sometimes, um, this this year, but I can't, I can't imagine those those young educators right now that this is their first year of teaching. And it's just like, (laughs) why would you, why would you come back? This is so
0: hard. It's so. It is. I almost kind of wonder though, I think it's, it's all how you look at it, right? Because on the one hand, it's difficult, no doubt. On the other hand, there's kind of no blame right now. Like you've, and you've got this playground and a lab that you can experiment with and sort of no one's judging you. Um, I, I know, on the one hand, I think it could be a great time to be a first year teacher. <laughs> like-
1: yeah, or or creating things in a virtual environment because we don't know <laughs> what's going to stick and what, what doesn't. It's funny you say that. Um, I was talking with some of my students today. Um, uh, and again, they don't want to, unmute they don't want to hear themselves but they they will explode that chat if you let them um and and one kid said we kind of have an advantage where we were taught completely as beginners over zoom who else gets to say that like they're wearing it as a badge of honor and then i didn't really think about that but you're right like everybody else even like my current seventh graders they had most of the year last year where it was in person you know but mm-hmm. they our beginners you know they we we started them on a zoom and so like there's there's kind of you know this kid this kid's point was just like who else gets to say that they started playing an instrument you know only over a zoom and i'm just like you know what you're right that's you're completely correct in that regard right yeah honor good for you
0: (laughs) thanks for listening to the mo better bands podcast If you have something to share, click the links in the show notes of your podcast app and leave us a message or email me directly at donovan at springfieldmusic.com. That's D-O-N-O-V-A-N at springfieldmusic.com. If you'd like to be a guest, would like to recommend a guest or a topic, shoot me a line. Thanks again for listening.